live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Here we go, Thursday, big Thursday. Jackson Cincy on Thursday Night Football. Big for teasers. <laughs> Bengals, an amazing 7.5. I don't know that it's amazing that they're 7.5 against the Jags, but just the fact that the Bengals, one of the uh, – Woeful franchises of the NFL, favored by 7.5 tonight. We'll head up to Thursday night football. We've got WNBA right here on ESPN Las Vegas, but we'll preview the game, preview the college football weekend with our great football guest. Busy, busy day at Silver 7s. And don't forget, 77-cent beers during all NFL games. That includes tonight. That's Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Candy, if I were dead, I'd be rolling over in my grave right now. And since I'm not, I'm trying to think of, uh, not to be mean, but uh, I don't know, Vince Lombardi, who I think is buried like uh, 5,000 yards away from my grandparents, um, would be rolling over in his grave right now. Who's like an old school? John Madden would be rolling. No, he's, he's still alive. Um, what is this from the NFL coming out of the gates? Audible. Omaha! Different story. 43 Grammys, 19 number one Billboard albums, five epic hit makers, one stage, Pepsi halftime. Wait a second. Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar. This ain't real, right? It's real, and it's spectacular. <laughs> they're I mean, real. They're all real, and they're spectacular. There you go. Nothing else I can tell you, man. Like, it's It's happening. What is happening? The NFL is in bed with rappers and sports gambling. I mean, let's just do it. Everyone at the Pepsi halftime, just let's light up a blunt and smoke weed. Take weed money next. Come on, NFL. Let's do this. I mean, it's legal in California, so what's the problem? Ooh, that stadium could be smelly. Right. Yeah. Snoop, Dre, and Mary J., and Kendrick Lamar, the halftime show, and I feel like there are probably special guests waiting. And I, I just have not seen anyone react poorly to this yet, and I'm waiting. Oh, you I'm know just, coming. I'm waiting because the Ted Cruz's of the world are so busy supporting Kyrie Irving and Bradley Beal that I'm not sure they've had a chance yet to get offended by these West Coast rappers who are going to be at the L.A. Super Bowl. You actually, you mentioned the guy. It's a perfect setup. Like one day after, because the, the whole existence about is about trolling, really, and just playing this game. You have to play the game of these rappers are part of a Super Bowl. It's a decay of Western civilization, but how do you do it a day after? Standing with Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins. and So very funny stuff, kind of amazing. Hey, good for the NFL. And like you said, no one's complained about it yet, so maybe they've actually realized you may want to play to a younger audience every once in a while, and let's not book, you know, John Cougar Mellencamp, nothing against it, dude, for the seventh time to I'll, do a uh, – Oh, listen, I'll give you plenty against John Cougar Mellencamp if you want. Keep going. Uh, no, I'm just uh, – you, you unilaterally decided we have nothing against John Cougar Mellencamp, and I think that that's false. <laughs> I, 
I, wow. I don't I, I don't want to hear from John Cougar. I don't want to hear from John Cougar Mellencamp. I don't want to hear from anyone in between. I don't want to hear from Jack and Diane. Like, I don't want to hear from any of that crap. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I just need to step in for, for those of us who do not enjoy the John Cougar Mellencamp. I was being too nice. Mm-hmm. I was being way too nice. We're getting ready for the football weekend. College football tonight. You actually have Virginia and Miami, Florida. Talk to Michael Felder in about 10 minutes. He's our college football insider. We'll get a preview of that game and lots of other games this weekend. UNLV is playing on the road, 21-point dog against UTSA. Yeah, it's Texas-San Antonio. They actually have a good football team, a very good football team. You know what's going to help UNLV win is a full complement of quarterbacks back. But last night on the Marcus Arroyo radio show, you'll hear me address the issue of Doug Brumfield and his health. Did he practice today? He did not. He's got a pretty sensitive back issue going on, and so we're going to be we got to be sensitive to that for sure. Oh, boy. Cameron Friel is growing, but he's not the best option at quarterback right now. It's Brumfield. Now, a lot could change today and tomorrow and, you know, half a day on Saturday. But, you know, and it was a much better team than UTSA, I think, in Iowa State. Uh, Arroyo said, hey, if Brumfield's not 100%, we really don't want to put him out there and risk him long term. So that ain't good. That ain't good. Cofield, you spend a lot of time around this team back on Doug Brumfield. is not something I remember hearing. I remember hearing about the chest uh, after Arizona State, some potentially some leg issues. But back, am I wrong? Is that a new one? Um, well, I mean, they, they really don't divulge injuries uh-huh. often. I don't think that was out there. I didn't think it was a back. Uh, what we were told after the game on Saturday – is he, he had a full body cramp in the first half, and that's why he got carted off the field. And that he had re-aggravated previous injuries, and that was a chest and an abdomen. But I did notice when they were stretching him out, they were working on the left leg on the sideline, and I did see him getting like a lot of work. I think it was on his lower right back area, but I didn't think that meant that it was his back. So, I mean, the, the story is, and man, you know, this is a great question. I got to get to it later on. Um, When we talked to Mark McMillan in the 5 o'clock hour, um, I know he talks a lot to Randall Cunningham, and I'm not saying Doug Brumfield is Randall Cunningham, but they have similar builds, and Randall was an unbelievable runner. I just, yeah, I wonder what, you know, what UNLV can do and what Brumfield can do to stay on the field when you're 6'5 and 205, and you can run, and frankly you have to run. That makes you that much more dangerous. How do you protect yourself from how, I mean, this is, it's crazy, right? We're just like all up and down the body. That's the thing. If you're a running quarterback, you're going to expose yourself to these things. And there's been a lot of research done on this to say, are you a running quarterback on designed runs? Is the coach setting up the blocking for you? Versus are you scrambling for your life trying to get out of something, bailing from the pocket? Because you're going to take a lot more hits in the bailing from the pocket situation than you are on those designed runs. That's why Lamar Jackson is able to stay on the field the way that he is. The blocking is set up for him. Uh, big, I don't know if it's a big story. It's another rumor around the Mountain West Conference. You know, we've been talking the last couple of days, Colorado State, Air Force, off to the AAC. What does the conference do? How do you fill in? Do you go with just 10 football schools and you play nine in conference? I think that's a disaster. I think it's a disaster for UNLV who needs money and needs one of those big games at Allegiant every year um, to make money and then also get the buy on the other end. Uh, potentially. Um, so schools like North Dakota State have been bouncing around. I mean, that's, that's you know, kind of a different idea. 
Um, but it's mostly been about football. But now you're saying that the basketball interest in Gonzaga could be revived? Keep in mind, this is something we do every few years when it comes to Gonzaga. And Seth Davis had a column in The Athletic talking about what does conference realignment mean for basketball. He talks about BYU leaving the West Coast Conference. That's a big deal for Gonzaga. That's a, that's one of the teams that gives that conference a little bit more cachet. Um, says that Gonzaga is some a program that has not had a football team since 1941. Uh, that means the Pac-12 is not going to take them. But Seth Davis says, I see no reason why the Mountain West couldn't find a way to make this work. Just have Gonzaga compete in every sport except football. And I quote, because I would never use these words myself, easy peasy. <laughs> um, he knows who, who he's dealing with, right? I mean, for look, a couple things here. First of all, if you're the Mountain West and you're looking for a way to replace a, a pretty year-in, year-out, solid, consistent football program in Air Force – then Gonzaga is not the answer to that. And we're still talking about football when it comes to realignment. Second of all, Gonzaga is both baller and shot caller in the West Coast Conference. And you're not coming in and pushing Boise State around like that here in the Mountain West. They have enjoyed their status as alpha dog for quite a long time. And frankly, are you even pushing around San Diego State uh, in this conference? So there are a lot more obstacles to Gonzaga ever coming here than that column would suggest. Let's get you ready for the college football weekend on the way back from Stadium. Does a ton of different podcasts. He's our football insider, Michael Felder, and he'll give us his preview, his ideas on what could be a dangerous spot for Alabama against Ole Miss and Matt Corral. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. It's one of our favorite spots of the week. I mean, it really starts off the week for college football. We got some college football games tonight to break down. Michael Felder comes in from Stadium, also at In the Bleachers, and also a podcast maven. Uh, You got to tell the audience about a podcast you're doing. Uh, I was doing the Marcus Arroyo radio show last night with Learfield, and I hear a promo during the break, and I'm like, that's Michael Felder. I'm like, what's going on here? Does he have another podcast he's doing? Yeah, so that promo you hold is, you heard is for uh, College Sports Now. That's a Learfield IMG uh, podcast. We talk a, a bunch of college football. I have a Felder Friday. We do the Felder Five. We talk about the five th- most interesting things to watch every week. That'll be out. It'll come out tomorrow. There's that. I got Tape Don't Lie, which is a podcast I do for Stadium where we kind of get into heavy football concepts and talk about growing as a fan, going, growing from a ball watcher to someone who actually, you know, understands what's happening around the football field and hand in the dirt, a gardening podcast about football. Oh, and I do the power hour with Nicole Auerbach for the athletic. Very nice. Very nice. And I think uh, on tape, don't lie. You talked to Sean King, right? And it was a whole conversation about quarterbacks and coordinators. Yeah. Quarterback control is the name of the episode. That's with Sean King, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer Tulane. Uh, quarterback we talk about and USF quarterbacks coach so we talk about how coordinators and coaches control quarterbacks uh, what are indicators that it's not the quarterback's fault it's more what they're letting him do versus what he can do and we're really good show very intriguing Thursday night game because I don't know what's going on with these two programs 
Uh, we were high on Virginia, and then that came unraveled last week. And we know, you know, Miami, who cares what they did last week against, uh, you know, middle of nowhere state. Where are these programs right now? Miami's actually a pretty good favorite again at five and a half. Yeah, I think Miami is still trying to figure out who they are. They don't really have an identity in terms of what they do, pushing the ball down the field and trying to find Harley, trying to find Charleston Rambo. Uh, and I also I want to see how healthy uh, Derek King is, right? Like that's going to be another interesting part because – this is a guy that took a beating in the uh, – was it the App State game? He – no, not App State. The next game after that, he took a beating. And he really was struggling. He was sore. Michigan State is the game that I'm thinking of. He was beating. He was sore. He was hurt. And so I'm really curious to see what he looks like going forward. He um, did not play in the Central Connecticut State, which I didn't – I've never heard of before. He didn't play in that football <laughs> game. And so – We'll see if he's healthy to give it a go, how healthy he is if he does when he does give it a go. Uh, and for Virginia, I think that they're a team that really is – they are who they are. And I think the big problem for Virginia, they're not incredibly explosive. They're a team that you know wins two in a row, loses two in a row. And one, I think it speaks to Wake Forest being able to do – to out Virginia, Virginia in terms of that control and that steadiness that Virginia likes to play with. I think Miami being a little bit more sporadic, Virginia – does have a little bit more of an upper hand in this ball, this ball game, but it's going to be very curious to see how it plays out because Brennan Armstrong can't throw the football for Virginia, and they've got some guys that are real big players. Jelani Woods is a monster. Still wish they would get him the ball more. So this is going to be an interesting football game tonight. Boy, last week, mistake. I bet Clemson laying 10. I didn't even Ooh. have a shot in that freaking game. You know, this week is really interesting because we still don't have a good read on Clemson. We don't know if they can score. Jeff Halfley, I, I actually think, is a candidate to – bump up almost immediately from Boston College. He lost the starting quarterback. That guy was a top 10 quarterback in the country, and they have rolled since. Defense wasn't great against Mizzou. This, I, to me, this is a ridiculous line. Two touchdowns, Clemson over BC? I mean, I don't know that they can score 14 points in regulation consistently when we talk about Clemson. So they have offensive problems, and they have another problem now, and that's the attrition, right, that, that injury battle. And you see Brian Bressy go down. He's standing on the sidelines for the rest of the game or sitting on the sidelines, excuse me, with ice on the knee. Jamie Skowski, James Skowski is out. Um, we know Balen Spector's hurt, and he came back in the game, but we know he's still dinged up. Tyler Davis is out. Uh, and then on the offensive side, their best offensive player this year has been Will Shipley. And guess what? He got carried off the field, essentially. I tried to look like he was walking it off, but when you have one guy under each armpit and you're barely touching the ground, I think you're getting carried off. So, We'll see if how much go Shipley has, how much juice they can get. Lynn J. Dixon, remember, he's already he's in the transfer portal. I don't think he's going to play for them. So we've got Pace, we've got Cody Pace, and who else at the running back spot? That's going to be very interesting because Chaz Malusi is now at Wisconsin. Um, Demarcus Bowman is now at Florida. Two guys that would have been in that running back room had they not transferred out. That's another interesting element to all of this. Mm -hmm. Lynn J. Dixon is also transferred out. So three guys that could have been in there that could have helped are gone. Will Shipley is down. We got one known commodity, and he's not that. Nobody, we don't have nobody has strong favor favorable connection to to pace when it comes to being a running back. So this is going to be an interesting uh, ball game for them. You lose Phil Yurkovic, which was that's tough for BC. You throw in Grossell. I think that Garo is one of the Garo is one of the fun, most fun running backs to watch in the country. He is. He looks like a ball of pain, like a guy that you just don't <laughs> want to tackle him, yeah. and. They're going to try – they're going to see – against this busted-up Clemson defense, I think we're going to see how resilient they can be. Brent Venables – I don't think there's a coach in the country that's earned their paycheck more than Brent Venables this season. Between the offense giving him nothing, his defense being dinged up, 
And I mean, they came in the season with injuries with like guys like Nolan Taylor not being really healthy, ready to go. It took him until game three, game four to be able to play, you know, the whole game. And then you lose guys along the way. We'll see how he kind of uses, you know, scotch tape and bubble gum to put this defense together. Man, there's some great games this week to break down. Michael Felder's with us from Stadium and great storylines. So since he's playing Notre Dame, I saw yep. Circa in town post this number and Notre Dame fans were like, what? Because Cincinnati's favored. I've been telling folks, and I was on Notre Dame last week plus a six and a half. It was just too much value. I'm not on them this week. Notre Dame's schedule is ridiculous. They have to get up every single week uh-huh. for these games. Since he's good, I still think Notre Dame's going to finish nine and three or eight and four. It's just it's a gauntlet they have to go through, and this could be the first loss. Yeah, I think I think it will be. Uh, the big thing for me, the way that since Cincinnati does two things that I find to be uh, remarkably uh, unique with respect to college football. It's not just that they play aggressive man. It's that they are incredible open field tacklers. And if you're going to play aggressive man, you have to make sure you make one-on-one tackles because you don't have the eyes watching the football to rally the way that you can in zone coverage. So that's the first thing, right? They're they're talented tacklers. And two, I, I, I find that the way that they trade, very uh, appealing. Uh, generally, when you play man-to-man, you have to travel. So when you run someone across the formation – you have to move like you have to run across with them, which puts you in a spot of disadvantage when you're trying to chase a slot guy that's running across the formation and then goes back. You're, you're going back and forth, back and forth. You're in your linebackers way or somebody's getting in your way. And for Cincinnati, they do a lot of trading where they'll rotate a safety down and stay in man coverage, although it still looks like zone to a quarterback, which leads to confusion. And we saw Michael Penix from Indiana be confused by that trade several times, but I thought it was a very cool element to what Cincinnati does. And, that speaks to uh, Luke Fickle and what he's created, which is an, a remarkably aggressive defensive system. You know, I have a sneaky suspicion all this hype on the Matt Corral, Kiffin, Ole Miss side uh-huh. is going to blow up in their face. Uh, the number is 14 and a half. I actually think Alabama is going to handle them. I'm curious to watch this football game. Um, I was talking to Matt Fortuna from The Athletic, and he mentioned that uh, he thinks that Ole Miss should go ball control, run the football. And I think that those are two separate things. Wow. Because here's the thing. Ball control means that you're sitting on the football, right? Like that means you're you're sitting, you're milking the clock. You're playing like Iowa. You're playing like Wisconsin. You're playing the way Virginia really wants to play for most of the time. You're playing that way. And, and, and there's a link. You're not going to beat Alabama doing that. You're not going to out Alabama, Alabama, because that's the way Nick Saban would love to play if that was conducive to the modern game. It's just not. Now, I think you can win by running and throwing the football against them, but you still, like, the key element is going to be tempo and quarterback as a, as a weapon. You have to play 11 on 11, not 10 on 11. And a lot of times, teams without quarterbacks that can move, without quarterbacks that can create, they are playing 10 on 11 football, and you just got a judge machine back there. So Corral's not a judge machine. He, can he throw it like one? Absolutely. I love his arm. He's fantastic. But he can also move, move out of the pocket, move in the pocket. He can also move down the field. And I think that's going to be an element that they have to have The the big thing for me and why we think we might have a game, maybe even if the game's only for 45 minutes and then the last 15 Alabama assumes control, is I don't think Lane Kiffin is scared of him. And that's something with respect to former assistants and his record against former assistants and all that. I think most of them are scared of him. I think they're terrified of him. (laughs) I think that they are – they're scared to – not to anger him, but I think they're scared because they know how much power he has, how good he is. And it's a healthy respect. It's it's so healthy that it turns into fear. And Lane Kiffin, I don't believe, has that. He cut his teeth doing his own thing, right? He's not scared. And so with that in mind, 
Like Link, I think I personally, I think Link Kiffin hates being referred to as one of Saban's former assistants. Because I think he's thinking, no, I made my way into this coaching space. Did I start Was I born on third base? Absolutely. But did I create things and do things that are of note in this industry? And I should be respected for that, not just known as one of Saban's former assistants. That's also true. Both can be true at the same time. And so for me, I expect him to be attacking, to be daring. He's the guy that's changed that he Lane Kiffin knows he's the guy that changed Saban's paradigm and changed him from a guy who was only okay winning games 17 to 10, 24 to 12, or whatever it is, into a guy who could win football games 45 to 42 and be okay doing it, not losing his mind the entire time. And I think he's going to put that in. No, I think we're going to see a really rapid it's, it's all about successes and failures, right? Or in the words of what is it, um, Hoyt from Training Day. It's all about your smiles and cries. And I think if Lane Kiffin is smiling a little bit more than he's crying, then we're going to be looking at an old Miss game that goes to the wire. Yeah, I don't think Kirby Smart is scared of Saban either, but he's got players um, and he's had some success. And I got to tell you, this is going to sound. I think like, he is. Oh, you do. You think, yeah, he, you, think, think he's, he, you think he's played scared against them? Not playing scared. I think he recognizes that. I think Kirby, that's a whole other conversation for another day, but I think yeah. Kirby Smart is a football coach that's scared. Kirby Smart, maybe not scared of saving, that's not the right thing, but Kirby Smart likes to play a pack-it-up, pack-it-in football game. Mm. He likes he likes football the way that Nick Saban played football from 2008 until 2014-15-ish. That's what he likes. That's where he's comfortable. And I think Kirby Smart does get scared when you have to stretch the field, when you have to score points. And they can do all the flexing they want against um, – you know, I, I don't know, even remember against Vanderbilt and whoever else they played. But the reality of it is when you get into a ball game like this Arkansas game we're about to talk about, I don't think he's got this. I don't think he has the stomach to push the ball down the field against the Sam Pittman and uh, Barry Odom defense. I don't I don't get it. His defense is, you know, my, my breakdown in this was going to be really goofy and you just countered it. Um, he beat UAB and Vanderbilt 118 to seven. Vandy can score a little bit now. UAB is actually, uh, you know, smacked around uh, North Texas and beat Tulane. Like they're not horrendous teams. One eighteen uh-huh. to seven, dude. You've got the defense. You can you can go super aggressive on offense now. He no, because that means risk. Risk means turnovers. Like Man. he won a football game. They played a three to three tie against Clemson. That's a good point. And he's happy because they won the game on a defensive stop. The problem is. If you play aggressive football, you push it down the field. I'll go back to Penn State, Wisconsin. Penn State kept pushing the ball down the field, pushing the ball, to fi- ball down the field, pushing the ball down the field, and ultimately the bow broke, and Wisconsin didn't have an answer for an open receiver down the field, and you got a touchdown. He views that as we might throw an interception. We might get sacked. We might have a sack fumble. So instead of that, let's just throw these short passes to our tight end. Let's throw these oh, – where's my notebook? I'll look it up right now. That Clemson game. The Clemson game? You didn't fire it up. Bring out the notebook. Now we mean business. JT Daniels was 22 for 30 for 135 yards. He threw two passes over 20 yards. Damn. Two passes over 20 yards in the entire game. One was incomplete. It was high, but they got a defensive pass interference on it. One was just completely incomplete. He had a bunch of negative passes. And I hate negative passes that aren't screens, but he had a bunch of negative passes. Minus two, minus four, minus three, minus four. Bunch of negative passes which are just long handoffs, essentially. The big thing here is, in this football game, we talk about the 20-plus yard passes, but also in that same realm, throws that are over 10 yards in a game that actually matters, in a game that counts against Clemson. Not a game where 
you're trying to pad your stats and look like your scoring numbers are better or look like, see, we are throwing the football against an inferior opponent. Passes over 10 yards, we're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine passes over 10 yards. That's not good. That's not like that's not that's not threatening. What that means is the defense is going to be hugged up to the line of scrimmage. So I'm very curious to see what that looks like. I hope if I'm Barry Odom, I'm Sam Carter, the, the defensive guys on the Arkansas side, I start with 11 guys within nine yards of the line of scrimmage until they force me to have to cover deeper. Because if they think they're going to run their way out of this football game, they got another thing coming. That's why we bring in Michael Felder. Set me straight. I'm all high on Georgia. He's like, yeah, Georgia get, better get more aggressive, especially against Arkansas. Uh, two more games to cover. Michael Felder, stadium, is on with us here at Silver Sevens. Man, I didn't think Michigan looked very good against Rutgers in the second half. Right. And the worst part was it was in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, the dream has been crushed about really competing for any sort of national title. How do you think both of these teams react going into this one? Is Wisconsin starting to push towards a two-and-a-half-point favorite? I one, I think that Wisconsin their defense played well enough to win against Notre Dame. But when you have three non-offensive touchdowns, like what are they? They don't. They can't stop that. You know, like you. That defense can't stop Graham Mertz from throwing four interceptions and losing a fumble. They can't stop it, and I don't think it was a problem in the trenches for Michigan at least on the offensive side of the ball. I think what they had a problem with is too many guys that they can't block. And that's not an offensive line problem. That's a coaching problem. We just talked about it with Georgia. I think that Michigan has, I think Michigan has a more advanced stage of the same disease that, that, that Georgia has because Cade McNamara, he threw for 163 yards. If I'm not mistaken, he threw for 163 yards And in that 163, here we go. I got it right here. He threw for 163 yards. Now, uh, 136 of that 163 came on four plays. Four plays. They had a play. They had 24, 38, 23, 51. Those are the passes that they had. But the air yards on those passes were 10, 10, 19, and 12. (laughs) 10, 10, 19. So 47 air yards got him 136 actual yards. Wisconsin's a better tackling team than Rutgers. Wisconsin plays a little bit more zone than Rutgers, which means they have more guys that can rally to the tackle. They're not going to give up the 51-yard play to Mike Sanders still. They are going to rally to the tackle. If you don't challenge them over the top, they're going to put 11 guys within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, and they're going to sh- they're going to stuff and shut down that run game. It is That's the problem with Michigan. And they could do all this stuff about – we could take a plane or we could take a train or we could whatever. We can go on the ground or we can go through the air. But the reality is they can't go through the air. And until they prove that they can, there's no reason to respect it. And, again, and this is it's a funny thing. I was just reading this quote from Sark about how he doesn't think teams respect Texas when they step out on the field, so we have to earn it. I'm like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You shouldn't – You don't. nobody's going to respect Michigan's passing game until they show that they can actually do it. Last one, and I know Michael Felder will be watching this because I see him – I saw last week you tweeted out, you're like, no Hawaii game, so I actually get to relax late night. Uh, one yeah. of the best games in our region of the country, in the West, Pac-12. I got to see Arizona State up close when UNLV was down there. Arizona mm-hmm. State and UCLA, basically a field goal spread here. What do you think? 
I'm very curious to see how Arizona State gets the run game going. They're playing UCLA, obviously. And I just – I don't like, you, you saw them in person. What was your take on them running the football? I uh, you know I was shocked that Rashad White actually didn't really get off until uh, the second half against UNLV. Jaden Daniels was great, but I, I didn't think their run game was all powerful as we'd been told. Right. I mean, and this is a guy that had 37 yards against Colorado, and we know Colorado's not great. So I just don't understand why Rashad White can't get going. And then I don't want Jaden Daniels to be your leading rusher. I don't want him to be. Like he shouldn't be your leading rusher. I understand that he's going to have some explosive plays from time to time. But you should have a guy that you give the ball to and you can make it happen. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes itself out. I um, I think as long as UCLA remains committed to this run game, they're going to be okay. And to me, they feel like the favorite in the Pac-12 South. But this is, I mean, for all intents and purposes, isn't this kind of an elimination game for the two of them? Eh, elimination game's not right because both of their losses have come, what, technically out of conference? But this does feel like the two lead dogs squaring off, right, in that Pac-12 South? Correct. So I'm, we'll see what happens. I'm, 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 I'm excited to watch this football game. Uh, do we know what DTR's health status is? Because he was really in a lot, looked like he was in a lot of pain this past weekend. Michael, that was awesome. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. You take it easy. Our buddy, Michael Felder from Stadium. He's up on Twitter at In the Bleachers, does seemingly dozens of podcasts each week. Check him out at In the Bleachers on Twitter. We're live at Silver Sevens, getting ready for. Thursday night football, Jackson Cincy during all NFL games. The beers are just 77 cents on bottles of Bud Light, Bud, and Mick Ultra. So get on down here, place your bet at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. Coming up next, football frenzy headlines. We'll get into uh oh, candy. The Giants, Joe Judge, and his latest thoughts on analytics. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. He's just as tough as any quarterback there is or ever has been. Enough said. His numbers are incredible. He's done more than any other player at that position, whether it's yards, completions, touchdowns, championships, you know, you name it. So put anything out there you want. Like, I don't think any tougher than him. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. How about we just ban all sound clips from Belichick? Every time I hear him, I want to start yelling. It's just, it's so silly. So silly. Candy, we got an interesting story coming out of the NHL with, wait a second. Now they're going to go after the thugs of the NHL. Remember what they did in the NBA, which was laughable when they had a dress code. Cleaned up the sport. No, it didn't. What are they doing with dress code? Oh, they actually, wait. There's a team that wants to relax dress code? You know, these are not your father's Phoenix slash Arizona Coyotes, <laughs> Steve Gofield. Yeah. Uh, they have gone back to the old Kachina logo, trying to be more inclusive, and now they're trying to bring in a younger generation of fans by relaxing the dress code. Now, every NHL team has had the option to do this all along. There is an NHL policy saying you have to come to the stadium, the rink in a suit and tie, and you have to leave in a suit and tie. But oh, they wow. give clubs discretion to change that policy. The Coyotes are doing it. Uh, other teams within the league, they've talked to some players, Austin Matthews, notably with Toronto, has said, this is great. We need to do this. And I don't see why not. Really, what's the point? What are we gaining 
by seeing them come to the rink in a suit and tie, right? And it's become something in the NBA, in the NFL, where some of these fashion choices are publicity all on their own. Right. Right? That you, you guaranteed know people who would recognize Cam Newton or Russell Westbrook without knowing what they do for a living just by their outfits. So what's going to happen across the league? I mean, it's kind of up to each each club at this point. There's a thought that maybe it could snowball for the Coyotes to lead to other clubs choosing to do it. Um, right now, it doesn't appear that anything is going to happen in mass across the league. These things always take time, especially when it comes to moving a sport that loves its tradition, that loves its background as much as the sport of hockey does. And look, we celebrate the Stanley Cup the way we, uh, you know, differently than every other trophy in the world because we love the tradition. But there are some traditions like this one in the NHL that need to be reexamined. Uh, I don't know. I think if they relax the dress code, I don't know. I'm not sure I'm going to buy VGK tickets. I get it. I, get I, want it my, I want my team buttoned up. Come on now. I get it. And look, if you go to a Vegas Golden Knights game, I know you're usually there, what, like three hours oh, yeah. in advance to stand, stand by the T-Mobile gate to I watch did. the players coming in, right? Yep, yep. Actually, I, if I go to a game, I miss the show that day. Oh. You haven't noticed? Well, I, I, that's why I get to work. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Never put I, two and two together. I'm kidding. I've always thought this was one of the dumbest things ever. Listen, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I was going to say, like, don't dress like a total slob. Who cares? Does it really matter? It doesn't matter. I mean, please. We do just fine, don't we, Candy? We're very, we're very, Cofield is, uh, Cofield and company is very casual. Every day is casual day. Hey, I shaved today. Well, there you I go. I showered. You look great. I put on a shirt with a collar. <laughs> I live my life my... in dry fit, <laughs> sir, and I dressed up for you. I expect my NHL players to, to at least match my wardrobe choices. Be professional. All right, we go out to uh, the Superbook in just a couple minutes. Find out about uh, leans and likes and sharps and squares and what's going on tonight with Jacksonville and Cincinnati in terms of the betting with John Murray. Watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Let's do it. Let's get the skinny on Thursday Night Football. What's going on this weekend? John Murray, Superbook, is in with Candy and Cofield. John Murray, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to this. Just a tremendous Thursday Night matchup, gentlemen. With I think you're, I, I, this, your comment is dripping with sarcasm. Uh, this is, oh. and actually, in all seriousness, well, I was going to say it's a big teaser opportunity, but yeah. do people have the uh, – the cards to throw their stones on the table and go, yeah, I'm going to put Cincinnati in a freaking teaser. I was wondering what word you were going to go with there. I, 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 could, I sensed that hesitation as you tried to find the word. Courage was a good one. Uh, not, not yeah, bad. they are. They, because they can't help themselves because it's a primetime game. It's on its own. So they're, they're starting their money line parlays and their teasers to the weekend with the Bengals. I can't blame them. Jacksonville has looked completely lost from the little I've seen of them this season. And I will say this for the game, it's, a, it's an interesting quarterback matchup. It's not often we get two consecutive first overall pick quarterbacks going against each other this early in their careers. I mean, these guys just faced each other in the national championship game two years ago. So that, that, that part of it is interesting for sure. John Murray, Westgate. All right, let's get right to the most hype game 
of the week, and that is the Patriots going up against the Buccaneers. I want the Patriots in this one. I think I'm very much in the minority. What does the action look like right now? It's all it's all Tampa Bay. It reminds me a little bit of the game two weeks ago on Sunday Night Football. It was Kansas City at Baltimore. Similar ticket count type splits where everybody was on the Chiefs in that game, and they're doing that here with the Buccaneers. This will be one of our biggest decisions of the entire NFL regular season. Everybody's betting the Bucks. All the money line stuff is going to roll to the Bucks. The teasers are going to roll to the Bucks. It's all Tampa Bay. You might see seven on New England. If you wait, you probably will see seven, especially if all the favorites win tonight and early Sunday. All that money rolling into the Buccaneers. The books are going to be stuck a big one on uh, Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. <laughs> I think I'm very much in the minority on this one as well. Uh, I did bet the Bears earlier today. I missed out on a two and a half. I got a three even. Uh, I want the Bears. I want me some Bears. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You are in the minority there. Everybody's on Detroit, and it's just funny to see that. It's funny to say that. The Detroit Lions getting three points on the road, and the whole world is on the Detroit Lions. It's a strange, a very strangely bad game. We're going to need the Bears, at least as of right now, but there's not a lot of money on this game, guys. It's a very, very low-volume game, but the little volume we do have is almost exclusively on Detroit. I don't know that you, I don't know that you ever want to be rooting for Matt Nagy, whether as a bookmaker, a better, a fan, anything. Do you ever want to be on Matt Nagy's side? I would say no. It's a big bounce-back spot. They, a lot of pride. A lot of pride with this Bears squad and, and Matt Nagy. Speaking of that, uh, I don't know how much action is on Tennessee and the Jets, but the numbers dropped to six and a half. So are we talking, you know, Sharps are like, yeah, give me some Jets. It's reminiscent of the old days when the Sharps would bet the Browns every week. Oh, uh, now now that a lot of that's transferred to the New York Jets. I mean, everybody, uh, I'm sorry, not, not everybody, but a lot of our Sharper players bet the Jets last week against the Denver Broncos. They got crushed in that game. And now they're taking the Jets this week. We saw them taking eight and seven and a half. We're at New York plus seven, minus 120. The public is all over Tennessee. So it's setting up to be a classic public versus pros versus Joes game. I've heard people say that term before. Every, the public is all over the Titans. The, the sharp guys are all over the Jets. Didn't work out too well last week. Let's just say that. Miami was here this past week. I want to get to Miami and Indianapolis. Uh, I saw you went to a couple of different sporting events over the last few weeks. Uh, what would you <laughs> like more? me around? I mean, uh, what you, uh, well, my, for, for me, seeing you would be right. on Twitter. I, I didn't I didn't know. Yeah, I wasn't in the right. crowd or scoping okay. you out at, at T-Mobile. I thought maybe or, you had a drone or something, <laughs> Steve. Well, uh, what are you doing? I guess right. I see that you were at uh, both, both, both UFC <laughs> yeah. and the Raiders game. What was better? Uh, I would say the UFC, and it's not really? a knock on the Raiders. The Raiders game was a lot of fun, but it, it was so exciting for me to be back in T-Mobile Arena at a UFC event. Hadn't been to, been to one since March of 2020. Uh, it was awesome to be back in there. But the Raiders game was great, too. Both, both were great. Uh, Miami Dolphins with an easy cover. They covered that plus four with no sweat at all. Sure, sure. Losing in overtime. Uh, both were, were excellent. Uh, I will say my most solid handicap from here forward is anytime I hear a fighter has man boobs, I'm on the other right. side. Uh, apparently Nick, Nick, Nick Diaz was not conditioned for that fight. And uh, Robbie Lawler... I think he was 110. I got him at 130. It, it flew up yeah. from there as well. Diaz looked terrible, didn't he? It, it really steamed up at the end. I think word got out that, you know, first of all, they adjusted the fight from 170 to 185 because the rumor was Nick Diaz couldn't make 170. Yeah. And that's why they moved the fight up a weight class. And it certainly showed he, he really ran out of steam. But 
it was it was still I don't want to say anything negative about Nick Diaz because it was it was exciting to see him back in the cage and the energy at T-Mobile was 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 awesome. Uh, it'd be really hard to find anything negative to say about UFC 266 other than they can't find anybody that can give Valentina a fair fight. Like it's just it's just ridiculous watching them trot these poor girls out there to get demolished by her, but that just speaks to her greatness. Yes. And there's nothing there's nothing she can do about it. She's just that much better than everybody else in her weight class, so good for her. Quarterback greatness. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not in the Colts Miami game. Uh Brissett and the Dolphins. Where do you guys have them? Because they're all over the place. So one and a half, two and a half, two against the Colts. Yeah, yeah, interesting game because there's a there's a lot of guys right now that are listed as, as questionable or even out for the Indianapolis Colts, but we're seeing some sharper players taking the Colts. Right now we're down to Miami minus one and a half. Colts are 0-3 coming into this game, and I think they've got a trip to Baltimore next Monday night. So if they don't find a way to win this game here, they could be looking at an 0-5 start. Big game for the Colts. And Miami, they've got a backup quarterback in there in Brissett. He's showed a few flashes last Sunday, but he is very much a backup quarterback. Westgate, 8 a.m. We do our Sunday football preview show. This week it will be the Adams, Candy, and Hill. We'll be oh, on wow. the scene. Where I know, wow. Uh, Adam where Hill will, is going to Adam. Uh, see, I, I figure Adam Hill's more of a man of leisure these days. He's going to do the show. He actually uh, he has a few Sundays open with the Raiders. Right. You know, yeah, right. in, in non traditional <laughs> spots. Uh, Kansas City and Philly. Is this one going to be six and a half on Sunday morning? It's seven, but I'm seeing one hundred fives and even. You know, we ha- we opened this one five and a half last Sunday uh, after the after the morning games and the afternoon games. Even and the, it's actually gone bet up from five and a half to seven. Because Philadelphia looked so bad on Monday night. You know, the Eagles' defense looked completely inept. It's hard to imagine them stopping the Kansas City offense. And this is almost a must-win game for the Kansas City Chiefs. They're 1-2 coming into this game. They've played a really tough schedule. They really need to win this game to keep pace with the undefeated Raiders, the undefeated Broncos. The Chargers are 2-1, and and they've got a win in Arrowhead on their resume. The Chiefs need this one, and it's being bet that way. So it... It'll only come back down if some sharp groups come in on Philadelphia. Because right now, everybody's on Kansas City, and there wasn't much to like about the Eagles' performance on Monday night. Ravens-Broncos, uh, where do you guys have it? I'm seeing a lot of the money and a lot of the tickets are on the Ravens. Most of the money's on Baltimore. Despite that, for briefly, this game flipped to Denver as a one-point one point favorite, whereas they opened a one-point dog. We're at Pick'em right now. This could really be the best, uh, the best matchup of the week, other than maybe the Monday night game. Really even game here. It's the first real test for Denver. You know, Denver's 3-0, and but they've played a very weak schedule. They're going to have their hands full of Baltimore in this one. Uh, one college spot, big name in Matt Corral, well, Lane Kiffin too, against Bama. It's 14-and-a-half. Are you getting sharp play on either side on this one? There was some sharp money at the Superbook in New Jersey. You know we're open in New Jersey now, Steve, if you want to tell your colleagues back home. Uh, My dad will sharper. Sharper player at the Superbook in New Jersey took 15 with Ole Miss. So, yes, I would say there has been some sharp money there. We're at 14 and a half right now. That's a fun game. There's some really good SEC matchups. Much better college card this week than last oh. Saturday's. Last Saturday's college football card was, let's call it low energy because it was. This Saturday, much better. Low energy. I like that term. Uh, are you, what are you getting on Arkansas and Georgia? Arkansas is plus 18, 18 and a half. Yeah, we haven't we we haven't seen the uh, those same groups take the dog yet on that game. But as you can imagine, most will probably end up needing the dog. But that's such a high spread that it scares away a lot of betters. You know, the the betters they don't want to get involved too big in these games that have huge numbers. 
that's why there's very little action back in the NFL. Houston going to Buffalo to take on the great Josh Allen, and it's a very lightly bet game because of the high point spread. Those high point spreads scare betters away. John, very good spot. Are you and Jay doing a podcast now uh, like the Barbers? Yeah, we, we have a show. We do it uh, every Friday morning. Uh, I believe it's just called the Superbook Podcast. Mm. Uh, name pending, obviously, right? But, yeah, it's uh, Jay and myself along with Brant Tobler who hosts it. And we give out this sort of banter that I'm doing now with you. And we try to <laughs> highlight a few... Uh, <laughs> We try to highlight a few NFL picks yeah. as well. Um, it's pretty good, actually. Jay's funny, good. and Brant, Brant's really funny. And then me, you know, I, I'm also on the show. Yeah, I hear Adam Hill's a good podcast host, but you know, I don't know what's going on. But he's uh, terrific. Yes, he is terrific. Yes, with that banter. All right, John, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Man, they're loading up the podcast here, Candy, and Adam Hill keeps getting left out. He didn't get the Barber podcast. He didn't get the Jay and John podcast. I don't know what's happening here. I feel like John is very jovial about Adam Hill on the air. and might be some controversy behind the scenes. Well, what else does Adam Hill want other than smarter than you? <laughs> well, he wants to return to smarter than you, but they, unfortunately they had a bail on that. They, they, yeah, they did, they yeah, did 17. Right. Yeah, 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 you know, these things happen. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> they did 17 quality shows and fold the chop. 77-cent Bud Light bottles? Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up.